Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When the pandemic shut down college sports in March, some athletes, fans, and administrators wondered if return to play was going to be possible. Professional sports leagues like the NBA, the NFL, Major League Soccer, they did figure out a way to play, but some college football conferences weren't sure they could do the same. In fact, two months ago, it looked like some of the biggest and best football programs in the country, the members of the Big Ten and Pac-12 conferences, would not see competition at all this year. Here's Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren back in August. We just believe collectively there's too much uncertainty at this point in time uh, in, in our country to, to really to encourage our student-athletes to participate in fall sports. So this fall, as students at Big Ten schools returned to campus, football seasons were postponed out of concern for players' safety. The conference's initial decisions were met with some praise and a lot of disappointment, all the way from players to the president. Uh, Today, President Trump tweeted this. Uh, The president says that, quote, student-athletes have been working too hard for their season to be canceled. Then on September 16th, the Big Ten reversed course. The conference announced it would start the season in late October. The Pac-12 did the same a week later. But some critics say this is evidence of the conferences bowing to political and financial pressure and putting players at risk. Since the Atlantic Coast Conference, or ACC, season started on September 12th, several games have already been postponed or canceled over coronavirus concerns. Here's CNN sports analyst Christine Brennan. Big Ten shows football uh, over everything else. The, The fact that the football players are going to receive the rapid antigen testing. What about the townspeople? in those beautiful Big Ten cities like Evanston and Ann Arbor and Columbus. Do they get them? Uh, The professors. On and on it goes. Over the next three episodes, we're going to talk to some of the people involved in making decisions about college sports and a player affected by them. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. Dr. James Borchers is the head team physician for the Ohio State University football team, the Buckeyes. They are arch rivals of my beloved Michigan Wolverines. And as much as it pains me to say it, OSU is expected to be a national championship contender this year. Dr. Borchers has also been advising the Big Ten as co-chair of its Return to Competition Medical Subcommittee. So he's joining me today to talk about the back and forth over playing this fall. First of all, I asked him to explain his role on the medical committee and also what were the questions Big Ten's leadership asked of him. They didn't ask us if we, you know, if we should play or postpone the season. What they asked us for was the responses to their questions and uh, concerns. Um, They asked us about the ability to move forward with this sort of plan. Um, What did we, you know, what was our uh, feelings? But we did not, um, 
you know, we never said, oh, don't, you know, we shouldn't, you know, let's not postpone the season. Let's, but we did offer our opinions on the ability as this being a viable path forward for the Big Ten Conference to um, think about the return to competition. They certainly took our recommendations, which I appreciate. And, um, and I'm uh, anticipating that uh, we'll, you know, be able to get started with that return to competition beginning with football and hopefully to find a path forward for all of our athletes uh, to, you know, to get back to their sport. OSU was uh, in making headlines because they had suspended over 200 students for breaking these coronavirus safety protocols. And that was before the fall semester really even started. How, how did that impact the football team? It didn't really impact the football team at all. Um, the, the football team has been training all summer, as many of the fall sport athletes. Fortunately, uh, in our athlete population that was here on campus, it really did not affect them uh, a great deal. Not that athletes haven't been affected by coronavirus, but to, to those athletes that had been here training, uh, they've done an excellent job of uh, uh, modifying their behavior to avoid exposure and to stay um, uh, free of the infection. I'm wondering if you can talk me through a little bit of, of what the, the safety protocols are that are in place for, for football players. I mean, I think we have a general idea, obviously, of, of wearing masks and hand hygiene and trying to maintain physical distance. But were there specific safety measures you were thinking about, uh, especially when it comes to athletes and, and football players? Well, I think in general, yeah, we were, we were very concerned, uh, obviously, um, about what we could do to control exposure inside the athletic environment. And so we have very specific protocols about how you, you know, enter a facility, uh, what has to happen when you enter that facility from symptom checks to daily temperatures um, obviously, uh, how you proceed through the building, um, the ability to stay socially distanced when you're doing your activities, not using locker room areas, not using wet, wet areas, not showering there, not changing there, really only doing what you need to do from an athletic standpoint and having a setup that allowed our athletes to accomplish that. Um, and then to, you know, um, not put them in exposure and at risk, you know, when they're not being tested or surveilled appropriately uh, for that sort of activity. Um, but I think the point, uh, you know, we're not in a bubble. These athletes have to go home. They have to interact on campus. They have to interact with other folks. And it's really, um, as we've discussed with them, it's incumbent upon them to initiate appropriate behavior not to put themselves at risk because you can only control the environment uh, that they're in when they're on the athletic campus. You, you said that, you know, these players have been sort of exemplary on campus. How do you instill that sort of behavior? Because, you know, the message that they're often hearing is, look, um, we're probably not going to get it. We're, and if even if we do, young people really don't get sick. You know, that that's sort of the message that they're hearing. So how do you convince people to act in a very different way, wear masks, physical distance, when maybe they're just not that worried about it in their hearts? I'm also the father of three. I have a senior in college, a daughter who's a senior in college, and two sons that are very active, a senior in high school and a freshman in high school. And I think for our athletes, it is the um, carrot, so to speak, of their ability to compete and the issues around what happens if they do get the virus and what that means for them uh, as far as their ability to be cleared and even to come back and compete uh, during that season. And the investment they make in these activities, you know, is is immense. And uh, to put themselves and their teammates at risk, uh, you know, is a 
at least for our group, was seen as, you know, something that they really, you know, at all costs needed to avoid. Um, that's not to say that there aren't cases, but uh, they have been um, few. And so that's been, you know, been good for us. I think that they, it took a lot of uh, work from everyone around them to convince, you know, them that going to large gatherings, going to parties, you know, hanging out with people that you're not normally around, you know, doing that in a risky fashion really puts you at risk, but it puts you at risk for more than just, you know, getting the infection. It puts your athletic activities at risk. You know, I've been asked numerous times by our governor, by other people, what would I do if my son was a football player? And, you know, would I let him play football, you know, without uh, testing and without surveillance? It's a really difficult question because, you know, you don't know what's going on in your community and what those safety standards are. Um, as you said, we all get biased by our experiences. And so I think those are tough decisions uh, for parents uh, to make. You know, one of the concerns always is that you got tests. We don't have tests, right? The NBA had tests. We don't have tests. NFL had tests. We don't have them. I mean, is that a fair criticism? And and are you hearing that even when it comes to college athletes like football players? The city of Columbus doesn't have enough tests. Why are the football players getting it? Yeah, I think it was a big concern for us that we not impact the ability for testing, you know, in our communities. I think that that has been one of the um, one of the struggles with this pandemic is that we haven't identified a, a strategy that has really impacted uh, the ability to move us forward back to some of these uh, things, because some of the testing, as you mentioned, is uh, complicated. It's not available. The turnaround times uh, are too long to really impact what's happening. But so what is the testing protocol going to be for the players? And and wh- do you have triggers in terms of if you're starting to see a certain number of positives, how that's going to affect uh, things going forward? We do plan a surveillance testing uh, with daily antigen testing uh, for um, COVID uh, and then confirmatory PCR testing for any presumptive positive. Um, We know from looking at the data from our athletic teams that our test positivity uh, rates are much, much lower than what we're seeing in our communities. And then we have defined uh, uh, actual triggers looking at test positivity rate and the population positivity rate for those very specific congregate groups of team members, staffs, on when it's safe to continue to proceed, when there's a cautionary tone that needs to be taken, and then certainly when we need to stop activity. And as I've been telling people, we got to the starting line. Um, the, the hard lifting and the, or the heavy lifting is, uh, is coming as we institute these protocols and programs and monitor them and, and observe them. What do, what do we now know about this disease, COVID-19, and what is known as myocarditis or inflammation of the heart? Even athletes, as we're learning, could sometimes be affected in terms of what this virus did to their heart. We know that uh, the virus uh, obviously can cause acute issues uh, and uh, can lead to, you know, issues with the heart. And that's something that's very concerning and something that continues to need to be studied and answers that we need to uh, look at. And obviously, as you mentioned, one of the concerns is, is that we know that Although a really rare event, sudden cardiac death in an athlete, one of the causes of that event can be infection and then inflammation or myocarditis. And unfortunately, 
It's usually not in an individual who has significant clinical symptoms of myocarditis, chest pain, shortness of breath. They usually are not exercising. It's in athletes that, you know, would think that they have mild symptoms or maybe don't even have symptoms at all um, and then may have myocarditis. I'm sure you read Christine Brennan's op-ed in in USA Today. What Christine Brennan wrote was that the decision to play football signals the darkest day in the conference's history because it chose to steer their schools and their football programs right into the teeth of what is predicted to be some of the worst days of the pandemic in October and November. She was saying that the fact that they chose football, meaning the Big Ten, in this particular situation uh, was the wrong decision and a really frightening one, and it was based on politics and financial, not the best welfare of the students. Does she have a point? Well, I think from her perspective, she has a point. But I would suggest to you that these students will be safer than almost anyone in the population and will inform on this infection moving forward um, in a safer fashion than almost anyone in the population. These individuals are going to have daily surveillance testing with confirmatory testing. They're going to be isolated immediately. They're going to be studied at 14 institutions. And the ability to move forward is affected by the data that we have. No one said at the beginning of this that um, we're going to return to competition. And no matter what happens with this pandemic, we're going to finish this season. Um, What we have said is that we have a path moving forward that we're going to follow. And we're going to look at the data and follow that data. And these student athletes in this protocol um, will inform maybe sooner than anyone else on what's happening with this pandemic um, because of the surveillance. And likely without this testing or without this uh, protocol, many of these student athletes may not have any ability to know if they're being affected or not. Um, So again, I I understand the perspective of individuals as they look at this uh, through different lenses. Um, But I believe that what we're doing is putting forward uh, a plan that allows for the safety and the welfare of the student-athlete to be looked at and examined on a daily basis. I mean, we're really collecting data every day. I I just want to to wish you you good luck. I mean, I I appreciate your, your candor with all this. I know these are not easy decisions, but thank you. Thanks for having me. It was great to talk to you and appreciate the discussion. I wanted to note that Dr. Borschers mentioned player positivity rates, but we don't have the data on that. We did reach out to Ohio State Athletics to get more information, but the school said they were unable to share it. Look, as the Big Ten season gets underway, fans won't just be watching the game, but also how the conference handles any potential infection outbreaks. It's important for sports, for students, and for all of us. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.